business besties, it's Jasmine. I am the host of the Female Founder World podcast and the person behind the entire Female Founder World universe for brand builders and business owners. It is so nice to chat to you again. Today, I'm speaking in person from the studio with Adriana Carrig, the founder of Little Words Project. When you like first hear about this business, she sells beaded bracelets. You kind of think cute little small business. No, Adriana has built a company that she bootstrapped to $20 million in annual sales. I am not talking about $20 million in sales over the last 10 years of business. She hit that number in one year last year. It is amazing. She's since taken a little bit of outside investment, but she did most of that fully bootstrapped herself. She makes these bracelets that have little positive words of affirmation, and she is an absolute pro at blending purpose and profit. And this is a phrase that gets thrown around just so much, purpose and profit. And I don't think a lot of people really understand what it means or how to do it. But Adriana is somebody that just really clearly articulates how those two things are interconnected and just create the snowball effect to amplify each other. She's also a total pro at building community. The people behind her business who champion what she does are just diehard fans. I think everyone who's building a business would love to have the kind of community around their brand that Adriana and her team have been able to build. So we talk about this in the podcast. Plus, you know, she's collaborated with Barbie and Duncan. Celebrities like Taylor Swift wear her brand. And there is like this amazing story there that we're going to get to in the show. You need to hear it. She's also sold in over 900 stores, including 12 bricks and mortar stores that are literally her own Little Words Project boutiques. They're incredible. She's super inspiring. I love chatting with her. We're going to get into the show in just a second. But first, I have an announcement. This is the first time I have shared the date of our first ever Female Founder World Summit. It's coming to New York City on, drumroll, 9th of December. It's a Saturday and this is going to be a conference. But if you know Female Founder World, if you have seen our events on TikTok and Instagram, or if you have been to one of them, even better, you know that we do not do conferences in the way that maybe some other people do conferences. This is going to be engaging, interactive. We are going to give you a notebook and you are going to have it have it filled with plans and dreams and actions and strategies and phone numbers and Instagram handles of people that can go and help you implement that. It's going to be an incredible day. As always, our events sell out very quickly. I'm expecting that this one will go quickly too. I'm going to share it in the newsletter very, very soon. Right now, we do not have wait list. We do not have tickets available. But as my very favorite podcast fam, I wanted to let you know, 9th of December, mark your diaries, clear the day. I'm going to see you in New York. Okay, let's get into the show. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Adriana, welcome to Female Founder World. Hi, thank you for having me. This has been a long time coming. It's truly, I mean, I mean, we were just saying we've been talking since you had just become pregnant mm-hmm. when we first started chatting. And, and now I was, he's eight months. And now he's eight months. Yeah. And we've been really trying to make this we've happen been really since then. I, uh, I've been admiring your like bracelet stack and your manicure and like oh, I just, oh, thanks, this is sad. 
No, that, oh, well, it's motherhood. <laughs> you can see it is motherhood. You can also see I have, um, I spent like the weekend with a four-year-old and I've got this like random pink leftover oh, nail polish. So you're really inspiring me to step this up. I know. My one thing I will say, I am like such a nail girly mm. because I'm, my whole, yes. my whole shtick is in the wrist, yes. right? So like I have to have, I have to have it looking good. I mean, it looks amazing. Thank you. Little Words Project, you started in 2013. You were in college. Yeah. Talk me through why the business came about, yeah. what the vision was when you got started. Yeah. So I was actually, I had just graduated from college when I started, but I did start a version of the brand while I was in college. Um, I wanted to create something that was all about kindness and self-love and women supporting women. And um, I had grown up myself dealing with a lot of negativity from others and just really wanted there to be something that existed that kind of like infringed on that cruelty um, that so many of us so often experience, both at a young age and honestly through adulthood. And, mm. uh, and You're talking about bullying specifically. Bullying, mm. but also just, you know, f cruelty, like female com competitive mm. cruelty. Like that exists, you know, above and beyond the bullying like cafeteria, right? Yeah. It goes into college, into work life. I mean, so many of us I know can identify with that, just feeling that it, in social media, like it's, it's could be a nasty place. So yeah, I really wanted to create something that was about kindness and positivity. And so that's where the bracelet came into play. Um, it's really meant to be a vehicle more than anything else of that kindness. And the idea is you're supposed to wear them for as long as you need it and then pass them on to someone mm. who needs it more. So it's this really lifting you up, you know, passing on kindness, spreading positivity and self-love and all that. So yeah, it started at, I was 23 years old. I started in my parents' basement, just making these bracelets again, always with that community builder in mind. Um, and fast forward 10 years and here we are. Amazing. What are some milestones that you've hit along the way? I mean, pretty much every milestone you can hit, uh, as far as, you know, our first wholesale accounts are for, you know, we are nationwide in target 900 doors. Um, we are sold in Nordstrom's as well. We have our own retail store fleet. We'll have about 12 stores, Little Words Project owned stores by the end of this year, hopefully up to 20 by next. We hit 20 million in revenue last year um, in one calendar year. So we've done obviously way above and beyond that. But last year was 20 million. This year, hoping to uh, land around 35. So really seeing that growth. Um, thank you. <laughs> wow. It's insane when you think about it because it is a $25 product, right? Yeah, that's so, a lot of bracelets. It's a lot of bracelets and it's a, we have a lot of SKUs and it's a very complicated business. And mm. I share all that. I'm, I'm a very open book, but I share all that because I think it's very hard for people to wrap their heads around sometimes how a business like ours could stand on its own two feet without you know, a ton of um, outside capital investment without a ton of- Also no outside capital investment until last year, this till, year? Until this early this year. Wow. Yeah. We've had, we were completely bootstrapped from the very beginning. And, you know, I think that story goes so untold. It's really not the main story um, that you hear about. You hear about these crazy like flash in a pan, incredible businesses that come out of nowhere and have millions and millions of dollars backing them. We did not have any of that. It was completely bootstrapped. 
Um, we were lucky to be profitable month one. That said, I only invested like 5,000 into the brand and I launched right before Christmas of 2013. Um, but it, it's been self-sustained ever since. Okay. So you invested 5,000 of your own money yep. and that probably went, went into what? Buying the product, creating some content. What were you doing? Exactly. In the beginning? It was um, buying the material and I was very much so making every bracelet myself. Mm -hmm. I had not navigated like a factory or anything, manufacturers or anything like that. I did that for two and a half years. I made them myself um, with the people that helped, obviously. It was making the prototype, buying the materials, um, making a video. And from a very early stage, I recognized that this was going to be a marketing company more than it was a uh, jewelry brand. It was meant to be a community building brand and not just something I could make and sell on Etsy, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's so many incredible makers on Etsy, but the I actively chose to go the website route and not the Etsy route. Um, so yeah, getting someone to make the website, getting someone to make a video that I could market it with, getting someone to um, help me with, uh, you know, the the development that would be needed for the registration tag, which is another component of the brand that mm -hmm. you used you use the bracelet's code on its on its tag to connect the bracelet to our website. And at the time, I had someone building an app to like really make that work right? Because that was a huge component. That was the X factor, if you will. It wasn't just a product. It was something that had this like unique angle to it. Um, so yeah, pretty much getting my the trademark registration lawyer and making sure I had the trademark that, that all kind of encompassed that $5,000. It sounds like you knew early on that this was going to be a thing. Like you're, if you're setting all those foundational pieces, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of, especially when you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to start a jewelry business and make it myself. They right. might kind of, you know, do it for a little while and see how it goes and mm -hmm. then reverse engineer and put that structure yeah. in place. Yeah. Did you know that it was going to be something big or were you just like hoping for the best and flying? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was definitely flying by the seat of my pants. But like I said, I really led with the marketing first mentality. And I think that came from I was I, I interned in marketing. I was working yeah. in marketing full time at the time. And when I started the business, I actually would come home at seven o'clock at night and make the bracelets that I had gotten orders for that day and get them out the next morning. My dad would help me ship like I was full blown mm -hmm. working in marketing at the time. And it was exper experiential marketing, small agency. Um, so I had the marketing mind and that's still very much so where I live now as the CEO and kind of almost functioning as more of a CMO than anything. But that marketing concept of it being, how are we going to tell the story? Why does the customer want this? How am I going to pitch it so that they want it? And that's where the very, the intentions around the the kind of website we had, the kind of videography we did, the kind of storytelling we had, it was very intentional. And yes, this is before Instagram, like Instagram had just started. Um, it was before like the influencer as a concept that had also like, it was very, very early on. I'll never forget like when people started posting. I remember the way people reacted to like influencers at the time, it was very like, you know, negative. And then fast forward, they're like running. The I was world. a fashion <laughs> editor at the time. Okay. So I was 2013. I was 23. I was just about to move to New oh, York. Exactly. And oh, are you a 1993? Yeah. I love the 1990s. Yeah. What, what month? Uh, May. I'm April. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, cute. That's why we were. Are you a Taurus? No, I'm an Aries. Aries. My husband's an Aries. My husband's a Taurus. No. Stop. <laughs> God bless us both. Um, that's so funny. So, okay, okay, same age. Love that. I love that. Um, I I remember this time. I remember when – I remember going into Fashion Week when I was, you know, 23 in Australia. And I remember the 
bloggers like yep. coming up and it was bloggers. when they were just starting on Instagram mm-hmm. and they were very it was very like a, a snooty like who yeah. are these yeah. who are these um yeah yeah upstarts like yeah. why are they here right. and now they run the world literally <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you were like so made fun of back mm-hmm. in the day if you were posting pictures of yourself mm-hmm. oh, I was like, a digital outfit. editor as well so we were like you know a tiny little tier above in the view of brands and yep. publicists, but still it was back in the day where like a print editorial magazine that yep. was top tier. Oh yeah. I remember I, that was my dream. I wanted to work in yes. print magazines. Yes, that was we like all the did. thing I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Um, so yeah, I think the story really was just, I, I wanted to create something that had a, a purpose and a mission. And when I had that in mind, it really helped fuel how I showed up for the brand. So I always, yes, did I always believe that it would be something big and that it could get there? Absolutely. And I think if you don't believe it, then no one else will. That's Mm. like my number one, actually it's my favorite word is believe. Um, So I did believe in it. And now that we're here, I'm not so, I'm not shocked so much as I'm just like, I'm freaked out by how time has passed and like, I'm very, very mindful of the fact it's been 10 years this year. And I'm like, oh my gosh, a full decade doing this. And wow, it's worked is the feeling I have. What were some early signs that it was working? I'm, I'm really interested in your timeline. Like what was that first, you know, big partnership or that first big retailer or the moment where you kind of switched from this is a small little thing I'm doing to no, this has legs to be a company that's doing tens of millions of dollars in revenue a year. Yeah. So I think it was really the the first few um, early partnerships. I think I saw very early on that the partnership angle and slotting Little Words Project into those partner communities was going to be a great way to build community and to almost provide. It's like we plug in this really authentic brand community angle into anyone we work with. So it was a very simple plug and play concept in my head where my first actually big activated partnership, if you will, was with Always Brand. And it was during their Like a Girl campaign. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember this, like eight years ago, it was like Fight Like a Girl. Yes. Uh, you know, Hit Like a Girl. Yes. They did this really cool viral video campaign. Um, it was a commercial, I think, in the Super Bowl at one point. And I just loved it. And it was so us. And they reached out to us wanting to do um, bracelets for one of their events with Google. And Maisie Williams was the speaker. And it was just a very cool opportunity. And I remember thinking at the time, like, if we can just replicate this across multiple different verticals, multiple different brands, uh, branded moments, it's really such a seamless, meaningful giveaway moment for 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 guests that come to events it's a meaningful moment for um if community engagement and activation for people who want their their own communities to feel like it's a part of something bigger and connected to something bigger. So I think it was like that partnership that really kind of helped me. And that was, I was still in my first apartment doing it with one full-time employee. And, you know, it was a, it was a studio in Jersey city. Like I lived, my bed was in the same room as my office, you know? Um, So it was early on that I knew that, okay, if we could just keep replicating this throughout and collaborations and partnerships have, have been a major um, every single collab and partnership has been a pivotal moment for the brand that's just kind of helped us continue to scale the ladder. 
And this year you collaborated with Barbie. You mm-hmm. just collaborated with Duncan and I saw that sold out in like five minutes. It's so, well, it sold out in uh, in the first day, but wow. we bought it like under 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 six hours. Um, but we bought it to last through the weekend. We intentionally wanted it to go longer. Mm-hmm. So it, it 5X'd what our expectations were and how quick it went. Um, certain sizes, certain styles were out even faster than that. So it was definitely a huge, incredible collab. We're We're... We really are mindful when we launch these exclusive drops. We don't want to be the brands that like they hype, 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 and they only have a hundred. Yes. And you're like, okay, well, the, that doesn't that doesn't promote community. It's not fostering like inclusivity and and the ability to be a part of what you're selling. So for us, it's like we are always very mindful and like, yes, we love the concept of selling out in five minutes, but like we're buying more than a hundred units. You know what I mean? Like we're <laughs> trying to make it that so that everybody could get involved in this and be a part of it. Um, and also, I don't know, I think from like a best, like a good business practice is like if you're going to launch these exclusive drops, you're going to launch a collection and you're going to put time, money, and energy into the pre-launch stuff and like the marketing of it all and the the photo, the photography, like the amount that goes into getting something up live on the site, buy enough that your community can buy it. Yeah, you need to be, sell like, some stuff. Not disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I understand hype culture too. And I don't think that that's a negative. I think there's a common, a nice little balance to find. For people who want to follow this path, they want to build a brand that can really sustain these kind of partnerships. How do you structure, I'm sure you've learned so much mm-hmm. over the years about how you structure these deals so that they work for everyone. What are some tips that you have? What are some things that you guys have put into place? So we really just try to get an understanding of what the partner is looking for as well. So like, what are their goals? Like, how do they define success for the partnership? And then once we can kind of define what those parameters are, are they looking to just, you know, plug our our product into their community? They need a meaningful giveaway. They need something for their event, you know, whatever. They want to have an, a bracelet making activation on site at their event finding out what their goals are, looking at what their reach is, determining what our goals are and how do we pair the two. Um, so for some of the, pro- the the partnerships, you know, we've worked with Nike's Women's Summit out in LA um, with Nike Women LA. And we had a big bracelet making event. This was a few years ago. It was also one of those pivotal, like, aha, we're on to something moments. Um, I think it was about five years ago now. Um, but they wanted, it was our first bracelet making activation that we've ever done. And it was like, okay, this is something we can replicate and do. So just again, understanding what do they want? What do we want to get out of it? And then where do you draw, you know, where do you land as far as like what you're going to charge and what you're there, maybe are they expecting you to pay them, you know, in order to work with them? And is that common? It happens here and there. We typically don't, yeah. Sign up for that. You know, if like at the end of the You're day, a media we, business. We're a business. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you want us to be a part of your event, we are going to come correct. It's going to be the best event. It's going to be the best experience. Mm. Your your customer, your consumer, your guest is going to walk away feeling like they just, you know, leveled, like their life was just a little bit leveled up. We are a value add. So we always, we charge to be at places. We charge per product. There will be times where if it's like the right collab and the right moment where we feel like they're going to bring us more value than we're going to bring them, we'll, we'll be like, all right, we won't charge you and we'll pay for our own flights. And, Mm -hmm. but, but we are, you know, but we're, you know, we're not going to pay you anything at all. Um, and then there are times where it's like, okay, maybe, but it's very rare. I mean, we were working with like Campouche didn't pay, you know, we've worked with people that you would be surprised that we did not 
pay to do. The last time I paid someone to do something, I paid Create and Cultivate mm -hmm. like six years ago in the early, early days. And it was worth it. And I'm glad we did. But I, it's, I've been very like shy to do that again because, you know, you are a business at the end of the day. Um, and I feel like you're bringing so much to the table now as well. Like you have, I said, I said the comment before about you being a media business because you have reach, you have community, yep. you have this really strong brand. You're not just selling a, a product in their space or offering that activation. You are offering the brand alignment. I'm offering the brand alignment. We're offering the community. The community is so organic and authentic and honest. It's, it can't, it really is very much so a community first. And that's where, when you asked me earlier, if I knew that this was going to work and that this was going to be something big. And the answer is not the bracelet, but I knew the community was mm. going to be something big. I knew the value of community. And remember, this is started by a girl who always sought and wanted community. So I knew how to create it and I knew what I wanted. And I knew that there were other women like me who wanted the same thing. This is so inspiring to me as a community-led business. Owner. Yeah. Community mm. is such a big thing. And, and it's, it's what so many brands have, like you said earlier, reverse engineered to include that piece after they've seen the wave of how important that is for brand building and business building. And I just feel so grateful and proud that we started honestly from the very beginning with this as the core thread of who we are. And it's been woven throughout the last decade. Um, so yeah, it definitely is something that came from desire, need, want, and it filled a hole that I think we were one of the first movers to do so. And the bracelet's always only ever been a vehicle to do so. It's just so happened to be great that the product look and feel also took off. Um, I will take a little credit for that, mm -hmm. honestly, uh, because, you know, it's definitely something that was not a vibe 10 years ago. It was always fun for like our age yeah, because it was what we would make in like summer camps when we were kids and making them yourself. And even it's, that's continued. But I remember distinctly when I first launched it, people were like, mm, are you sure you want them to look like that? Like that's kind of childish. And I'm like, no, but trust me, this is like, it's the look it's coming back. And I mean, and this nostalgia <laughs> wave that's happening at the moment as well. I feel like it's just also built, like added so much momentum oh, to it as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay. The momentum has been fun to ride. Okay. I want to talk about, um, your very specific partnership deck. Like what kind of things are going in there? What are you including to communicate value to brands? Like what advice do you have to somebody who wants to go and put together this kind of document to take, to do these brand partnerships? Yeah. I would say making sure that you have the specific value adds that you feel your brand brings to another brand. So we have both, you know, we kind of started off with like who are we? What is our X factor? Why do you want to work with us? And that's including like the whole background story, me, the authenticity of it all. Um, and then um, who we've worked with in the past, whether it be partnership focused or influencer focused. Um, and by influencer, I mean, not just like the standard, you know, your typical influencer, but also the celebrities that are influencing their communities through what they wear and how they how they respond to the product. So we've got, you know, we're regularly showcasing that, you know, Alicia Keys wears and loves the bracelets. Um, we've had some other incredible um, uh, celebs that I, I won't go through the list, um, but 
incredible people that love the product that we always make. Taylor sure. Swift. Taylor Swift. I yes. think we need to call out Taylor, Ta- well, Taylor Swift. She's Swift. worth she's Ta- worth a mention. That was yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I'm trying to be mindful of how often I like use her name, but right. it is in tra- it's it's true. And and it's, you know, recently we had Lance Bass give the bracelets to Taylor Swift on the VMA stage. And it was like the Ooh. craziest moment that we've had, you know, to date, probably one of the most pinnacle moments of my career because it felt like, you know, Taylor Swift has come along and become the friendship bracelet quote has been, has become very much so her thing through her concerts. And, you know, that's partially a little, you know, it was a little not frustrating, but a little like scary. Cause it's like, Oh no, is this going to just completely take over everything that we've worked for for the past decade? And in some ways it did because obviously there's always going to be those diehard fans that didn't know about us and think that we are grifting off of her. But what actually happened is when Lance Bass knew that we were the original branded version of this product. I'm not saying I'm the original bracelet that you and I have been making since we were five, but the branded product that came back onto the scene, he gave that bra- that stack of bracelets to Taylor. And in that moment, he took it back for us, right? He like yeah. stamped it as we were the official one. How did that come about? Lance literally is just, he's my president. Like, he <laughs> is the most incredible human and soul. And he knew, and, and this is where the partnership and always saying yes and being open and doing what you can to make something work if you believe it's a brand adjacent, like good brand builder for you. We worked with Lance and his team for the Aaron Carter uh, Memorial event that we had done um, in LA. I want to say it was a year and a half ago now. And Mariah, who was my like go-to right hand, like she is pretty much the face of the brand at this point. She's been with me since, you know, seven years now. So she's like almost employee number one. She went to that event and she connected with everybody there. She became true friends with them. So powerful. Brought her her what we bring, which is the true kindness that you know comes along with our brand, real friendship, community connection, and stayed in contact with her, him and his team. Fast forward to you know he's going to the concerts. He wanted little words to be the bracelets that he wore and passed out. So we made that happen. And then fast forward even further to the night before the VMAs. His manager reaches out, says Lance is cooking up an idea. Oof. He wants to give bracelets to Taylor Swift on the stage as he gives her her award. But we didn't know if she was going to win. We didn't know if he was going to be able to like execute the drop. There were so many non we, – we didn't know, you know. And when it took place and I, we did it, we filmed a video that went a little viral. And you can see our reactions are genuinely like – I saw it. You're screaming. I'm like, oh. It's amazing. my, Because it's like in that moment you're like, holy shit finally a little validation you know and that goes so far when you go a lifetime or a decade rather trying to create and sell a product that so many people don't understand but the ones who do when they get it they really become your your community they become your core group and that core group showed up for us in such a major way they're commenting every post they're owning and establishing like they are the originals and it's a nice feeling wow so, yeah oh that gives me goosebumps yeah i want to talk about the in-person stores you said you have 12 now is that right we have uh nine but we will have 12 by the end of the year 20 hopefully by the end of next year um and yeah the stores have been a huge grit brand builder huge growth when did you growth. open your first one and why bricks and mortar 
We opened our first store in 2021, uh, November of 2021. Okay, so you've opened all these stores in the last two, two years. Less than two years. Less than two years. <gasps> yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a huge, uh, a huge moment of growth for the brand. Um, brick and mortar, because we really believed that, okay, we've got, we've figured out online, we've figured out the wholesale storyline. Um, but we really, and actually Target came after our first store was opened. So wholesale wasn't as big of a channel for us as it is now. Um, but we had figured out all these things and there was that in real life experience that we felt was so beneficial to the brand and to the community more than anything. Totally. We wanted to show up for our community yeah. in, in real life. And so, yeah, brick and mortar was the way. Yeah, I feel um, – I don't want to say this again because I like I just harp on about it on the podcast all the time. But there is something magical that happens when you bring people together around your brand in person that can't – I just really don't think it can be replicated online. And those people can go and be your ambassadors online and spread your culture online. But having even just a small group of people experience what you're trying to build in person is so powerful. So I just always tell this to people, like, whatever that looks like for you, like, go and find your in-person moment. It's so valuable. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. It's actually when I think about, you know, the brand itself and I think about, okay, what's that next wave? Like, what are we going to do that keeps us, you know, um, relevant, if you will, for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it is continuing to build communities. Beyond just brick and mortar, we've got our retreats, our wellness retreats that we're working on. So basically it's mm -hmm. day-long events that you can come to at one of our usually centered around one of our cities that our stores are in. And you can come, you can meet other women in our community, other people in our community. You can meet female founders from our female founded vendors that we have set up. In fact, you and I should collaborate yes, on this um, soon. You know, work with our chief wellness officers who we've recently hired to be essentially the, the people that help champion the concept of wellness and the importance of tuning into yourself and how that all plugs into community. And um, so we've had two incredible events thus far, one in Miami and one in New Jersey. And they just, I mean, the way people come together and are just so blown away by one another, like it, it's this wonderful community building moment that helps activate. What how are you, how are you still so passionate about this 10 years later? You know, I'm just gonna have a have a have a thing where they get a bit of shiny object syndrome. I mean, yeah. I've had it where you yeah. do something for a few years and you're like, but this over here yeah. could be like way bigger. But like honestly, it's just you know building over time, step after step after step. Yeah. How have you maintained this level of like it just? I don't know if this is coming across on the mm. camera and across on the audio, but just like your passion for this is just like, emanating, emanating from <laughs> Thank all you. over me. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um. I think it's because it's really on uh, I'm I'm it's genuinely authentic. Like it really does come from a place of this was a girl who mm. went a lifetime of having no community and all she wanted was to build that community and to feel like she was a part of something. And that is very much so the thread that we have woven from the very, very beginning. And it's the fact that it's working and that every time I go somewhere, someone shows me their bracelet and tells me that it got them through some of the hardest moments of their lives or someone recently gave it to them and it completely changed their day or they're getting married and they're wearing their bracelets are going to be on all their bridesmaids and it's just the best memory, the best token, the best symbol of love that they could possibly have. And it's, it, it, blows my mind, but it's those things and the constant connection stories that we read on our website. 
it's those things that keep me so passionate because it's working, you know, and, and that's helpful. When you see that something is, people are picking up what you're putting down, it really helps you lean in further. And I, that's always, you know, a great piece of advice too, for anyone who's building something. Don't focus on the ways that it's maybe not working, focus on the ways that it is. And when you look at that stuff and you see and you double down and double click into all the things mm -hmm. that work, the more you do that, the more you're like too inundated by the positive that like the negative, it doesn't penetrate because you're so in the middle of the positive, if that makes sense. Um, because there's definitely negative, trust me. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's $25 like plastic on a string, which yeah. is how we lovingly refer to it. But <laughs> it's because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's not what we're selling. We are selling the access to this nice nation as we refer to ourselves community that is so much bigger than the product on the wrist. Um, but it's also the reason that that low price point, you know, simple design is most people, if they own a, a little word, it's their favorite item in their jewelry box. And that says something. You've been through a lot of launches now of your own products, collaboration products. What is working in 2023 when you want to get the world word out about something? What is that blueprint? What is that playbook that you're like switching on in your marketing engine to sell through a launch? Um, it's definitely making sure that we have the proper marketing plan. So that's like a 360 approach, right? Making sure that we've got both how are we going to show up on social media with this product? How are we going to show up on our website? What is the digital experience going to be? How is it going to show up in stores? Are we going to have an event around this this launch? We actually tier out our launches. So it'll be an A, B, C launch process. So if it's an A, it's like getting the full scope of everything we'd possibly do for a launch, including an event in stores, um, uh, multiple emails, multiple social uh, moments, um, just kind of the big honcho. And then as it goes smaller from there, we are just speaking to it a couple times or, or what have you. So making sure that you're really showing up in a robust way across all of your channels and making it a 360 approach is definitely our, our main, our main bread and butter when it comes to launching these collabs. When you talk about content, what kinds of things are working now? Because things are different out there to when you launched. You know, you're saying Instagram yeah. didn't even exist or it was just getting started. Now we've got a totally different social media yeah. landscape. Like what are you guys doing? What's working? Um, honestly, Instagram has continued to be the best place for us when Instagram it comes to- Instagram works well for us too. Yeah. When it comes to brand building and community building and community alignment, we also, um, our Nice Nation community is recently launched. We, we branded it Nice Nation in, a, in an effort to, you know, kind of give everybody a name for what mm -hmm. they're a part of. Um, and that- comes to life a lot in our Facebook group. We have a Nice Nation Facebook group. So Facebook is still being leveraged for that purpose. Um, but then, you know, how do we just like do some social listening on TikTok and Instagram and make sure that we're, you know, hopping on trending sounds yes. in a way that plugs in perfectly to our brand. And now it also has to be said that a lot of bigger brands, like if you've got, if you're, I believe if you've got the blue check um, on Insta and uh, TikTok, you can't use trending audio. You actually have to like use a completely different audio and get the views on like organically, which is 
kind of frustrating sometimes because you just want to jump on something to help build community and not necessarily just to sell product. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've got guidelines for good purpose. And, you know, so that's an interesting little tidbit for anyone who, you know, doesn't realize. Is chasing the blue tick. Is trying to mm-hmm. chase, in that, chase that, blue, that blue tick because it doesn't necessarily always, you know, it doesn't make life much easier, honestly. Um, but anyway, so there's that. And then, yeah, just making sure that we are – you know, being really authentic about the content that we put out is, you know, not just doing something just to do it. We don't like to just hop on a trend. We really want to make sure that it's organic and authentic to the community and the message that we're trying to to put out there. But video content is king, really making sure we're doing a lot of video content and um, just high quality images. And sometimes there's an opportunity for a lo-fi thing. And if there is, you know, making sure that we do that. But if there's opportunity to have a great photographer, videographer at our event that can help us put together like a really cool recap reel, then we do that then too. So it depends on the the situation and and how we want to show up as far as content is concerned as with always the thread that we want it to be a community driver at the end of the day. Switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about money and fundraising and funding the business. You bootstrapped for a very long time. Yep. You got to a whole lot of revenue. Yeah. 20 million? Yeah, we did 20 million a year. Any uh yeah, we did 20 we had 20 million in the in 2022 and you were what still fully we bootstrapped then. And I was fully bootstrapped. And you studied you're an English major. I was an English major. You didn't study business. No, I did not. Okay. So how do you learn how to turn a five thousand dollar investment into twenty million dollars in revenue? I think people want to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's definitely well, how you learn is your friend Google. Yes. <laughs> and YouTube. Our good friend. Our good friend. And it and asking questions. I mean, I have no shame and I'm not afraid to ask a question if I don't know the answer. I'm not afraid to go searching for the answer if I don't know it. You know. I really believe in everything is figure outable, which I know Marie Forleo coined, but it's true. Like everything is figure outable. And I really believe in that. And um, it also helps that, you know, I was able to hire uh, my husband to join the team two years ago. He was actually one of the biggest, um, most integral um, pieces of going brick and mortar, which really helped our brand storytelling and just helped solidify us as an official, you know, brand in this ether. Um, and I think that really helped with who we ended up going for as a strategic investor, who he actually is the um, landlord for a couple of our mm. retail uh, stores that we have up. Um, but the point being, you know, it was really just figuring things out as I went, failing forward, very much so a reality. I mean, we fail at every turn. We failed almost at this Duncan partnership. We didn't have the, the materials for the shoot that was needed to launch the mm. collection. And Duncan really wanted it to look this way. And I really wanted it to look this way, but somehow we flubbed it and just having to pivot and figure it out. I mean, we fail forward. Um, and, but the shoot looked amazing. The shoot came together and we got what we needed. Exactly. Um, but the point, and that's the point, like you don't always know until you try and you don't know where you're going to fail and you don't know what you're going to learn from that failure. So just continuously being open to just going for it. I think we get so, you know, analysis paralysis a little bit and we are afraid of moving or, you know, we don't have the business plan. So we don't want to, we don't want to take the first step or we don't want to quit our job because we don't know the, the, you know, we don't have the brand name or the, whatever it is. And at the end of the day, like you kind of just have to start somewhere and, and start going and, you know, start beating, you know, if, if it's, if it's that simple. 
Um, and I want how we did it. Like I, I feel like people, you know, listening. This is towards the end of the show. I hope you're still like really paying attention because I just think that's the most important thing. Like that's the biggest takeaway. That's something that I've messed up. I I feel like when I started my first business, which was a beauty brand, and people listening to the show will know all about it. The reason why it didn't work out in the end is because I didn't realize people didn't have all the answers and I felt like an idiot for not knowing. Mm-hmm. And I felt embarrassed to ask for help around stuff that is super, like people ask questions around the financial stuff in their business all the time. Yeah. Like, this is not something you're expected to be born knowing. No. Um, it's, it's very common to like reach out to an expert and pay for some time and ask or to reach out to another founder in the community and ask for their specific advice. Like you don't have to know what all these terms are and all these documents are. other founders, mm-hmm. 100%. I think that my most growth that I've experienced has been through like going to trade shows yeah. and being at the trade shows as vendors to, and trade shows are where you sell your product to wholesalers. So any like Target could meet you at a trade show. And you did they find you at a trade show? Um, no, we went to Target through a broker, which is how you get into some of these bigger boxes. Um, but they, you know, great relationship, you know, building relationship builders, brokers find you at trade shows. So going to these trade shows and asking other founders, asking the wholesaler, a lot of my business has been built because I asked this, the, you know, mom and pop store that's carrying our line. What are the cus- what's the customer saying? Like, mm. how do they want the bus to show up for them? You know, so really just being intentional about asking those questions and having no shame, being unembarrassed because or be embarrassed and do it anyway. Yes, because at the end of the day, like, and I always would pose my questions like, listen, I should probably know this already, but you, how do y'all figure this one out? Yeah. You know, and making the joke of it and making light of it and just whatever people are gonna say and think whatever the fuck they want yeah. to. Excuse my French, but there's no other way of saying it. They're gonna say what they want. They're going to think what they want, you might as well get something out of the exchange, right? And and learn from, from, from them. And actually, my favorite conversations have been with uh, founders of other brands that are huge, right? I, five years ago, asked to get on a call with the founder of Pura Vida, who did it first, right? And has been doing the the bracelet concept. I, I credit them as being like the first to knock down the door of a product being solely focused on one category, right? Mm-hmm. And then they built from there and we're also building from, from here. But I got 30 minutes on the phone with Griffin and asked him, what did you do and how yeah. did you do it? And I've paid a lot of attention to his advice. And it's just asking, asking the the guys who are selling at the shows, like, what? so what's your best skew? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's it going? And they might be like, are you kidding for asking me that question? But like, there's nothing, why gatekeep? Like, let's just grow together, you know? And there's no shame in that. And most of the time people are going to answer your question, even though they think you're like maybe crazy, but whatever, I got the answer. Yeah. And now look at you now. (laughs) now. Yeah. And now we can apply the answer. That's such good advice. And if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I can't get to a trade show or I want to speak to somebody now, we also have a free group chat. Like come and join it. It's on Geneva, a bunch of female founders in there. And these are the questions that that they're asking. And it's totally free to join up with the link in the show notes as well. Adriana, the last question that we ask everyone who comes on the show is for a resource. And that could be a book, a mindset, an app, just something that's been helping you as you've been building Little Words Project. Oh my gosh. I have so many things that have helped me along the way. One, Shopify is your best friend. I love Shopify. It's like Shopify is the way to go. It's so easy and user-friendly and you could just start selling your product. Um, I always use, I honestly answer this a lot, but I, I 
it's it's true. The thing that led me to feeling like I could start this business out of something so simple was um, this book called The $100 Startup. And it's essentially boiled down to the concept that like all you need to start a business is someone who wants to buy your product, a product to sell, and then a way to collect their money. And it's that's where Shopify comes in. Um, but it's really such a simple resource. And it's a very small little book that just had – it flipped the switch of like, oh, okay, I could just start selling this and see what happens. Um, and then, yeah, I mean just – I think – Tools like what you just suggested, you know, anywhere that you can meet other founders in the industry, they don't have to listen. I think the female founded piece is huge. And we as females, it's a harder road, 100%, because people don't, they really genuinely don't take you as seriously. And I, I experienced that time and time again over the past decade. Um, but, you know, it, it could be anybody, you know, mm -hmm. do not shy away from joining some of these like male groups. Like mm -hmm. if there are, just be like, hey, I'd like to join. No one's going to tell you no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's no, and there's not that they're giving better advice by any means, but don't be afraid to put yourself out there in every community and ask all the questions. Um, and maybe that's led, well, maybe that might lead to you not being taken as seriously, but who cares? Because along the road, you're like, building your brand and no one realizes how big you're making it until the day you show up on the VMA stage. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, they're they're legit, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that is the perfect note to end the show. Adriana, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been incredible. Thank you for having me, Jasmine. It's been a delight. Quick shout out to all of our business bestie subscribers. If you are loving the show and you are building a consumer, CPG or e-commerce business, or you're about to build one, this membership will give you access to the people, experiences and the tools that you really need to build your dream business. Head to femalefounderworld.com forward slash subscriber for more.